0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today.
1: It's an honor to be with you today and to share with you at Southside Church. And for all those people who are watching online, uh, we're glad that you're here from across the country and around the world. This morning, uh, in our time together, I am wanting to do some teaching about prayer. Now, don't change the channel. I promise this isn't going to be guilt-producing or anxiety-producing, or it's it's a not a time-restricting message about prayer. The goal today is to help you and I see prayer as a way to lighten your load, not add to it, to relieve anxiety, not to increase it. You know, prayer is a way to know God, and, and thereby we get to know ourselves. And you and I need to pray. Do you find praying difficult? You know, attempting to express your soul's deepest longings to the God of the universe can sometimes leave us a little silent. We generally know that our Heavenly Father will respond to our prayers with power and with grace, but many people have expressed trouble seeing God's answer to our prayers. And there's other people who treat prayer as though it's like a scene from Aladdin's lamp that first you think about what you want and then you say just the right words and you rub the lamp and suddenly God appears and he's at your beck and call. Well, in reality, um, nothing's going to come out of the lamp and God doesn't always say yes to everything that we ask for. So today, I want us to realize that in prayer, when we share our life with God, it's more like a child coming before a loving parent and telling them all about their day. Our circumstances may not change, but we will. I also want us to understand that the purpose of prayer is not for God to please us, but for God to change us. In Luke 11, Jesus is asked by one of his disciples. I'm guessing it was either Peter or John. And they asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's the scripture that we're going to look at today. Luke chapter 11. The background is that by this time, the disciples had witnessed the multiplication of food feeding thousands of people, Uh, demons being cast out of people, Jesus calming the storm on the sea, Uh, Jesus raising a young man back to life. That's just to name a few of the events. And after this busy season of ministry, the disciples are all together with Jesus. So let's turn to Luke 11, verses 1 to 13. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, and as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, This is how you should pray, Father. May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. And then teaching him more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The doors locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks Finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask you for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. This is the word of the Lord. You know, this is the second occurrence of what people call the Lord's Prayer. The other one is in Matthew. And here are the disciples. They finally get some time alone with Jesus to be taught and they ask him to teach them to pray. Now, I'm a very visual person. When I read scripture, I have images in my head of the disciples gathered around the campfire with Jesus and and they're there and then they get this moment to ask him for teaching. And I was thinking, if if I was sitting around that campfire, (laughs) I think I might've said, hey Jesus, could you teach me how to cast out the demon? Or um, how about that Multiplying food thing could could you teach me that, or what about this one? Can you teach me how to turn water into wine? <laughs> but they asked him, Would you teach us to pray? now there was something that was absolutely magnetic about watching Jesus pray, and, and it made them want to learn. They had been observing him that Every time after a season of ministry, he would go off by himself to a place to pray. And they came and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Note that there was, their request was not to learn how to pray, but to pray. You know, our greatest difficulty is not mastering some specific technique or learning all the right words that you're supposed to say in a prayer. It's not about our approach in prayer. Our greatest need is actually to pray and to pray more often. In a previous passage, when Jesus was teaching this same prayer, uh, back in Matthew 6, uh, verses 9 to 13, the fact that it appears twice in the Bible, I I just want to make note that whenever you see repetition in Scripture, it means it's important. And we're supposed to, take note of that and, and just pay attention to it. Uh, in my Bible, whenever I see things repeated, I actually highlight that because it's giving us a message. This is really important for us to see. I also think it's interesting that, it, that Jesus, did, it's not recorded exactly the same way in both Matthew and Luke. It has the same premise in both, in both Gospels. But uh, I think that that goes to show us that this was not meant to be some precise ritual or a formula for prayer. So, how does Jesus respond? He, He actually responds to the disciples by giving them an outline, by giving you and I an outline of what we are to ask for when we come before God in prayer. So, Let me give you these uh, and just make note of how Jesus is instructing us about our prayer life. The first thing that he says to us is that we should pray that God's reputation is revealed as holy in our lives. That's in uh, Luke 11, verse two. Jesus said, Father, may your name be kept holy well, how is his name kept holy? His name is kept holy by you and I responding in our lives in a way that makes other people look and recognize God in our lives. We want to have God have the reputation in our very lives that he is holy. So that means how we live out our lives. And we can pray to God about that. We can pray that we want him to be realized as holy uh, in our own lives. Secondly, also from verse two, it says, may your kingdom come soon. Uh, This is telling us that we should pray that God's love and justice reign on earth. And right now, at this moment in history, we have got to be on our knees praying that God's reign, his love and his justice would, would reign on earth. We have people who are being held down, who need to be released. We have people who many have felt unloved most of their lives and they need to be loved. And we can come before God and we can pray that his love and justice will reign on the earth. And that also means that it starts with you and I, because we can be his hands and his feet and his mouth, speaking to those around us and speaking to this city. The third thing that Jesus shares is that we should pray for our daily provisions. Um, Many of you will know, A different translation where it says, and it's from the Matthew 6 verse, but it says, give us this day our daily bread. And here in this translation, it says, give us each day the food we need. What this is telling us is that God, we can go to God for our day-to-day needs. It's beyond food. I think we can go to him about our need for connection with people, relationships in our lives. I think we can go to him for wisdom and help if you're raising young children or you're raising teenagers. Uh, he's saying, come and pray for what you need in the day. And it's actually something new every day. The fourth thing that Jesus teaches from verse 4, um, it says that we should pray for the forgiveness of sin. You know, one of the best p- prayers that I think we can utter, and it's easy for us to remember, is Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. The scriptures say that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus is teaching us that when we go to God in prayer, pray for the forgiveness of sins. And we can also pray for those who sin against us. So don't avoid that part of our lives. You know that God loves you even on your worst day. And he cares about you. And he, he, he's, he can handle it if you share with him The sins in your life or your need to forgive others for their sins. The fifth thing that Jesus teaches the disciples is that we should pray for God to protect us from temptation and also from evil. In verse 4, it reads, And don't let us yield to temptation. What's your temptation? You know, every one of us at the church, everyone watching, we have some temptation that the evil one knows about. And if he wants to get to you, if he wants to slow your progress in growing closer to God, suddenly that temptation for you will drop right in front of you. And Jesus is saying, don't pray that you won't yield to the temptation. He's not saying the temptation is going to go away. I think that's part of the fall for us. I think we are going to have to live with this all of our lives. But Jesus is saying we can come before God and we can pray that we won't yield to it. That we will be strong uh, in our living out of our lives. Okay, now we're going to have a bit of a shift of scene. Because there's something that happens in this text that has had me smiling since the very first time I read it. After Jesus had instructed his disciples and destruct, instructed you and I what we can ask for and what we can pray for, Jesus turned their attention by telling them a story about how they should pray. So let me read it again for you. It's from Luke eleven five 5 to 9. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. Okay, how many of us have friends that show up at midnight wanting three loaves of bread? That makes me smile. And then he says, a friend of mine has just arrived. So he's got a friend who also arrived at midnight. And he arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door's locked for the night. The kids are asleep. My family are all in bed and I can't help you. And then Jesus says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Well, this story is difficult for us to understand because Jesus was Jewish. He's in a Jewish culture and he's speaking to Jewish disciples. And so I thought we need to talk to a Jewish person to actually understand what this story is all about. Well, I have a friend. Her name is Susan Perlman. We've been friends for over 25 years. Uh, Susan grew up on the streets of Brooklyn, New York. She's Jewish, and she came to know Jesus as the Messiah through the testimony of Larry Norman. Now, some of you, who, some of you old rockers out there will recognize that name, but it was Larry who talked to Susan about Jesus being the Messiah. Susan went on and she co-founded a ministry called Jews for Jesus. And she's committed her life to loving Jewish people and telling them about Jesus. And I've learned so much from this woman uh, concerning verses just like this one. So what we're gonna do this morning is just let me go to my office and we're gonna get Susan on a video conference and we're gonna ask her about this text. Oh, Carson. Thanks for the call. What's going on? Hey, Susan, I'm here with the good people at Southside Church up in Chilliwack, and I'm preaching from Luke chapter 11. We're talking about prayer this morning, okay. and I've just been talking about you know the section that we know of as the Lord's Prayer. But then in verse 5... Jesus goes into this storytelling mode, and he's saying, You know, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight and you wanted to borrow three loaves of bread, and you you you're familiar with the story, but it goes on, and the neighbor goes, you know don't bother me i'm I'm in bed already and and don't don't do anything. and then he goes on to say um uh the, but I tell you this, though, he won't do it for a friendship's sake. If you keep knocking long enough, he'll get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And then it goes on to keep asking. And and there, there's so much about this story that I think we have trouble understanding because of the context. This is set in a Jewish context. And I'm wondering if you can give us any insight as to, like, what's ha- what's. What is this story about? Why did Jesus go to this story? What's he trying to say to us?
0: Uh, I can only, Carson, give you, you know, my take on it. It's certainly not uh, uh, canon, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, basically in Jewish tradition, um, when you do something for a friend or a stranger, it's like, it's, it's like. Kind of entering into the divine presence, and so he's in this context. He was talking about prayer, but this is this is a major part of prayer. I mean, if you go back to the Old Testament scripture and the the greatest story on hospitality of Abraham, you know, sitting at the entrance to his tent when the three strangers came, right? And he invited them in. If you look at the beginning of that passage, it said. Um, basically as abraham was talking to god you know he he looked up and he saw these three strangers now i will not say that this is the absolutely correct interpretation of that but a lot of the rabbis say it shows how important it is to extend that hospitality to others in that abraham kind of interrupted his conversation with god he said god wait a minute i got to talk to these three guys now they've come and they need to be welcomed into my home. And God didn't seem to mind that. Hmm. You know? And uh, and in a sense, um, you know, he was continuing to talk to God because he didn't know it at the very beginning of that conversation, but that he was entertaining. Um,
1: so there's so there's this elevated view of hospitality that exists in the culture and and Jesus to the point where your neighbor could knock on your door at midnight.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, it runs all the way through the old Testament into the new Testament. And of course, Jesus himself, uh, was the, the ultimate extender of hospitality to, um, to the person who was in need or at an inopportune time needed something. Yeah. Um, you know, for those of us who are Jews, it means a whole lot in terms of our own uh, journey and legacy. Cause we remember we were aliens, we were strangers and mm. uh, God came to us. So how, how much more should we do this for others?
1: Right. Uh, what, what about, he's asking for bread, like three, he wants three loaves of bread.
0: Well, bread is the, uh, you know, the absolute essence of what one thinks of in hospitality. And that's, that's, you know, managing to to feed um, and feed somewhat extravagantly mm. um, those that are uh, coming to you. And, uh, and you know, it's not just a Jewish value to, to feed a guest. Right. So I have to say, growing up, you know, if we would have people come, we would make sure that there wasn't one loaf of bread. There were many. There wasn't just enough food. There was a plentiful amount so that no one had to – to feel uncomfortable about taking seconds. Because there would always be something left on the plate.
1: So as you read this passage, what's the point that Jesus is trying to teach out of this story?
0: I think that we have to be um, uh, ready uh, in and out of season. You know, when when he does say things like pray without ceasing, um, he's talking about us being available uh, at all times um to hearing his voice to knowing that he is there for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that he he's not he's not going to say, I'm I'm too tired or I've had too busy a day, Carson, I don't have time for you. Yeah. We have to have time for one another because God never stops having time to hear from us.
1: And what about the part about the you know he um Jesus says uh, Uh, whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. (laughs) So I picture the neighbor, you know, knocking on the door. And um, what is that about our prayer life? What are we supposed to take from that in our prayer life?
0: That's a good question. I mean, I think that we have got to be like, not just vigilant, we've got to be vigorous in our prayer life. We have to continue to strive because... Um, there are times when, um, you know, we're going to want, we're going to want to just let go or let up on things. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants mm. us to be there all the time.
1: Oh. oh, that's a great word. Hey, listen, thank you friend for taking my call and adding to our service here at SoSide. And, um, I hope if our borders ever open up, I hope there's a time you can come up and meet these people here. It's a great church. I'd love you to meet them.
0: I'd love to share a meal with them,
1: quite frankly. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Okay. Have a great day, Susan. Bless you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed meeting my friend Susan. as I said, I have learned so much from her and uh, she's a dear friend and, and it would be great if she can come up and have a meal with us sometime. Well, as Susan was telling us, you know, in this particular story, it's a lot about Jewish hospitality. And it says in the story that we're to come uh, audaciously. We're to come shamelessly. We're to come boldly and ask for what we need. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're adopted into God's family, you're a child of the king. And he is not going to respond to your prayer in a manner that in any way would harm you. You're a joint heir of the kingdom. You know, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, it tells us that we are to never stop praying. Never. Other translations, you you might be familiar with the phrase, pray without ceasing. And Jesus says, never stop praying. Why? Why should we never stop praying? Well, I'm going to give us six very practical reasons why we should never stop praying. The first one is, prayer is an antidote to anxiety. And in our culture right now, there's a great deal of anxiety. In fact, this week, I was talking to several Christian counselors, and that's perhaps their number one uh, caseload has to do with people living with anxiety. People living during COVID and wondering what the world's going to be like next. It causes anxiety. We're told in Scripture, uh, Philippians 4, 6 and 7, tells us don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And then we will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. So a practical reason why you pray, it helps reduce anxiety. A second reason why we pray is because prayer alleviates weariness. I don't know about you, I'm getting a little weary of this whole COVID thing. Uh, we have all had to adjust our lives in ways that none of us would have anticipated. None of us were trained to change our lives towards all of this. And many are just getting weary from it. Well, Scripture tells us in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. That sounds pretty compelling. Come to me if you are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So we pray because it's an antidote and alleviates weariness. A third reason why we pray is that prayer deepens our relationship with God. Prayer draws us closer to him, and it moves us from just being sort of something in your head to something that's very much in your heart. You know, God created us with a need for connection. He's a relational God, and prayer is a connection, Praying is talking to the Lord, just like friends talk to each other and they are brought closer together because they communicate. And when we pray, we share our innermost being with him. And through that prayer, we are transformed and we are renewed. The fourth reason why we pray is that prayer reminds us that we are dependent on God and not on ourselves. I went through a really difficult time in my life uh, five years ago. And in the midst of that, um, I literally fell to my knees praying to God. And it felt in that moment that God was with me. But it also felt like he was the only one who was with me. And I was completely dependent on him because I could not get through this on my own. And so when we pray, and we're praying to the creator of the universe, God Almighty, uh, it humbles us, and it shows us that we are dependent on him, and, and we can't do it on our own. The fifth reason which should be the clincher of any reason, is that Jesus prayed. And if we're followers of Jesus, then perhaps we should do what he did. So when we see Jesus praying all through scripture, his entire life on earth, Jesus was in this constant communion with God the Father. And I mean, how could he have known the Father's heart? how could he have known his father's will if he hadn't spent time with the father in prayer? If Jesus desperately sought the father, how much more do we mere mortals need to seek his will and to pray? Well, the sixth and last reason that I would give for why we need to pray is because God cares for us. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Do you hear that? Give all of your worries and your cares to God, for he cares about you. He is interested in every detail of your life. He wants us to involve him in every aspect of our lives. He promises to listen and to help and to protect. He promises to be there for you. When we pray, we surrender and release our thoughts, our worries, and our desires to God. We let go of them. And we pray because prayer shifts our attention to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could have thought or imagined, according to his power that is at work within us. When we pray, we invite the divine into our disjointed lives and we ask him to be a part of it. Our lives can be crazy, chaotic. They can be troubled and hard. But in prayer, Jesus is able to bring that all together. Jesus is the crucible. He brings it all together. He he melts it together. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, when our, our disjointedness comes together and gets put into the furnace of prayer, miracles happen. I want to tell you a story, uh, my crucible story. This followed the death of my wife, Brenda. That's what happened five years ago. we had been together for 40 years and I was not in good shape after her death. And I was invited to get away and to stay with friends in Northern Ireland. To be honest, I was kind of running away. But while I was at their home, I was doing dishes for them uh, because they had friends over and while I was there doing the dishes, uh, a man came into the kitchen and his name was Keith. And he said to me, Carson, we've just heard what you've been through and I can't believe you're still standing. And he says, we've, we've prayed for you. And he was, he, he was very compassionate. I felt his compassion and so uh, he and I talked for a little bit and he told me that he had a friend that he wanted me to meet before I left Ireland. And so uh, the next day I went to a coffee shop and I met this stranger at the time and his name was Ross and we, we talked about St. Patrick. We both have a lot of interest in Patrick and he's actually an artist who had been commissioned to do a statue of St. Patrick uh, in Ireland. We also talked about uh, the C.S. Lewis statue that's outside the Belfast Library. And we were having a great time chatting about all of this. And two hours into our conversation, he said, Carson, are you married? And I said, oh, Ross, that's gonna have to wait for another conversation. And he said to me, well, you're wearing a Celtic or an Irish wedding band, but it's on your wrong hand, it's this. And my head kind of dropped, and I said, yeah, uh, Ross, my wife gave that to me, and I said, um, she died. And he responded just going, oh, this is, this is tragic. And I said to him, well, actually Ross, my life is more tragic than that. And he said, how can that be? And I told him that I had met someone else. God had brought another woman uh, into my life. And 26 days before we were to be married, um, she also died of cancer. And Ross, who was a stranger two hours earlier, dropped his head to the table and he w- was weeping for me. And I was trying to help him recover <laughs> a little bit. So I said to him, yes, I said, I've, I've been through a crucible. And his head popped up from the table and he said, a crucible? And I said, yes, it's, um, it's like going through a life-altering event and, and you come out different on the other side. And then he said to me, Carson, I know what a crucible is. I work with it every day. And then I'm (laughs) going, well, what crucible are you talking about? And he took me back to that statue of C.S. Lewis in Belfast. And he told me, I did that statue. And when I was working on that statue, it began by by me um, carving and shaping the mold for it. And then I went and bought bronze in brick, brick form. And I placed the bronze brick into the crucible and it melted the bronze to the point where I could take a ladle and then pour it into the mold that I have. And I was listening with interest just out of, how do they do that? (laughs) And then he said to me some words that actually just gave life to me. And he said, Carson, I think I know what God's doing in your life. And I said, what, what? (laughs) And he said, God's making you fluid again. And he's going to pour you out in a whole new way. Now, those words, when he said that to me, my heart was warmed within me. Like the scriptures say, when the, the, on the Emmaus Road, the disciples are talking to Jesus and they don't know. And they said, when he spoke to us, did, did, were not our hearts warmed within us? That's what it was like for me. Well, right after that had happened, I noticed out of my peripheral vision somebody walking towards our table. Now I should tell you, while we sat there in this coffee shop, about six times we were interrupted by people just introducing themselves and saying hello to my new friend, Ross, because he's very well known. And I thought that it was another person coming to speak to Ross, so I pulled my phone out to see what time I was to be back at my friend's house. And I'm looking at my phone and not paying attention, actually. And Ross says, Carson, uh, th- this woman is here to see you. And I turned and I looked up at her and she was an older uh, woman and she was trembling. Her Her hands were trembling and she was holding a book in her hands. And I said, hello, <laughs> you know, hello. And she said, I've never done this before. And I said, what, what, (laughs) What what have you never done before? And she said, I heard God tell me that I was to give you this book. And so I said to her, God told you to give this book to me. And she said, yes. So I took the book from her and in front of her, I took out my pen, And I wrote in the front of this book, uh, this book was given to me by a total stranger at the Cinnamon Cafe in Coleraine, Northern Ireland on such and such a date. I wonder what it has to do with my journey. And I promised this woman that I would read the book on my flight home. And I did. And it was a significant part of God's word for me. It was written by a young pastor in Ireland who was crying out to us to go deeper in our relationship with God. And as I was reading through the pages, I was sensing God calling me to go deeper. Well, let me just back this story up. This all started through a group of people praying at my friend Susie's home, Susie and Tim. Then Keith comes to speak to me to say that they were praying for me, and asked me to meet his friend. We meet at a cafe where he gives an incredible word to me, and then we have a total stranger who comes and finishes it by giving me this book and letting me know that God's calling out to me to go deeper with him. You see, that's an example of what I'm talking about when I say that God can take all of this disjointedness and bring it together in such a way that he shows us that he loves us, cares for us. He wants us to be fluid. He wants to pour out our lives for others around us and in new ways. Prayer is the greatest and most important conversation of our day. And we shouldn't go a day without having time when we're talking to God. When we pray, we invite the divine into our disjointed world and we wait to see what he's gonna do with it. We need to pray and we need to pray more. I love the way that Jesus summarizes and kind of closes this, this whole verse. In verse nine, he says, and so I tell you, he's saying, here's what I'm saying to you. Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you're going to find. Keep on knocking and you know what? That door will be open to you. So Lord, teach us to pray. Let's commit with one another to set aside some time to connect with God through prayer. Let's try to do it every day. It can be short, but just start to get into the discipline of coming before God alone and speaking to him. And using this teaching as a guide, perhaps you want to start a prayer journal where you record not only your prayers, but you find spiritual refreshment when you go back in time and you see God's faithfulness in how he's answered those prayers. Thank you for having me. Thank you for worshiping through Southside and I'm going to invite the worship team to come now and to lead us in worship. And while they do that, can I ask that we just take the time to listen carefully and to open ourselves up in prayer and just connect to God personally. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys, the best is yet to come.